A great philosopher of the internet once said, Always be yourself. Unless you can be Batman. Always be Batman. While neither of us are Terry McGinnis and will likely never be Batman, we can live vicariously through him in his many comic adventures. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. This is Dylan, and I'm joined with... My name is John. So, uh, today we are to be doing the Hunt for Oracle. This is a uh, mostly a Nightwing, Oracle, and Black Canary story. Yeah, it, it takes place in the titles Nightwing and Birds of Prey. It's four issues, so it'll be a rather short uh, episode compared to our last episode where we were covering 20-some issues. Yes. So, uh, as usual, we begin with the summary, which uh, begins as such. Captured by this super-intelligent, super-strong blockbuster, Nightwing is strapped to a table being interrogated about who and what Oracle is. The other Nightwing, Tad Ryerstad, is also captured and thrown in a holding cell. Nightwing Dick Grayson refuses to give up information and a brother-sister team prepare to torture him. Elsewhere, Black Canary is attacked by a British woman and a Hispanic villain with knives. She contacts Oracle and informs Barbara that people are looking for her and have mentioned her alias. Dinah escapes, but continues to be tracked by the duo. Back at Blockbuster's house, two hackers, Mouse and Giz, detail their plan to trace Oracle digitally. Meanwhile, after being injected with a psychotropic cocktail, Dick lures his torturers close and headbutts the both of them. The hackers and Blockbuster head out to try and locate Oracle, and Blockbuster instructs his right-hand man, Cisco Blaine, to let him know if Nightwing says anything important. After Blockbuster leaves, Blaine enters the torture room and kills the torturers, revealing himself to be a federal agent. He lets Dick know that he needs some files that Nightwing has. Nightwing goes to his car, which has been blown up by Blockbuster's men, and has Blaine go release Tad out of his cell. Upon entering the cell, Tad brutally murders Blaine, not knowing that he is a federal agent. Tad goes and meets Nightwing and tells Grayson that he murdered Sisko. Nightwing tells Tad that he will have to turn himself in. Just as Tad refuses, one of Blockbuster's henchmen, the gorilla Grimm, ambushes the two. Nightwing is able to disable the ape with a shock from his outfit, which subdues Grimm. Nightwing and Tad argue further, and Tad escapes when Grimm gets back up and attacks Nightwing again. He is stopped by Robin and Alfred, whom Dick had called when he found his car destroyed. They attempted to go to Oracle's safe area, but were attacked by a duo on a motorcycle. In dealing with the duo, they are unable to make it to Oracle in time. Hot on the trail of what they suspect to be Oracle's location, Blockbuster sends a team in to capture the hacker, only for his team to discover it is a gang hideout. All the gangsters and all but the leader of the team are killed. Outraged, Blockbuster threatens the hacker duo if they screw up again. Back in the forest, Lady Vic and Brutal catch up to Black Canary and capture her. Taken aboard a plane, Dinah eventually comes to and Oracle makes contact with her. Oracle informs Dinah that she is sure it is Blockbuster hunting her. Dinah escapes her bonds, knocks out the knife-wielding assailant, and jumps out from the plane but is pursued by the female Brit. 
In a scene straight out of an action movie, the Brit leaps from the plane and latches on to Dinah. They struggle briefly, but Dinah is able to incapacitate her. Oracle, in her safe house, finishes composing a message to her friends for if she is captured, when an alarm sounds alerting her of intruders. Outside, Blockbuster and the hackers reveal that they have located her safe house, a decommissioned submarine. The capture team breaks in and immediately triggers her defenses. When they trip the last line of defense, the sub begins to flood, sinking itself. Oracle manages to escape and is pulled to the surface by Dinah, the two meeting in person for the very first time. The introductions are cut short, however, when Blockbuster and his men surround the duo, and Dinah claims to be Oracle and is taken off, leaving Babs behind. So that completes the summary. Like we said, it's a very short arc uh, for comics. It's a not really a complete story either, as uh, Dinah, or Black Canary, is taken off uh, on her own adventures under a black Blockbuster's command. And I did read the first story that follows this just to see how it continued, and primarily all that they're doing is using her to locate Gorilla Grodd's city in the jungle. So I didn't feel like it really went anywhere after this. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I read it as well, and I read up on like what happens after that and the whole reason behind it, and it really didn't make sense to use Oracle. I don't know. It just was really odd. Yeah, I agree, and we'll, I think we'll uh, talk about that a little bit in the talking points. So uh, we're going to go ahead and start with our notes as usual. Our first note is Nightwing in Nightwing 45, and Dinah refers to the female bounty hunter, I guess we'd call her. Lady Vic. Lady Vic as having a Jane Austen accent. Jane Austen, of course, is one of the most widely read writers in English literature. She lived from 1775 to 1817 and was from Stevenson, or Steventon Rectory in England. Her most famous works are Sense and Sensibility and uh, Pride and Prejudice. Yep, and uh, next point in also in Nightwing 45 is Brutal says that there is movement in those lianas. Lianas are various long-stemmed woody vines that are rooted in the ground and use trees for vertical support. They climb up to the canopy to get access to sunlight. And then uh, also in Nightwing 45, we have the capybara, uh, which is the largest rodent in the world, and it's closely related to uh, the guinea pig. So really, really big guinea pig. Yeah, like uh, medium dog size. Yeah, I actually have a friend who had a capybara. Very, very uh, friendly, interestingly enough. Very friendly creatures. That's not a pet that I've heard of, but I guess uh, they're allowed. Yeah, so this was back in Colorado, so take that for what you will. Oh, it's Colorado. They allow everything. All right, uh, in Birds of Prey 20, uh, we get the term honeypot, which is a trap set to detect deflect, or in some manner, counteract attempts at unauthorized access to information systems. Generally, it is a computer, data, or network site that appears to be part of a network, but is actually isolated and monitored for intrusions. And while they didn't actually use the term honeypot, that is what uh, Oracle was doing to uh, Mouse and Giz. Yes, uh, both of us are, uh, John and I are both IT professionals, so it's a familiar term for us. Yeah, I've never actually seen one in reality, but I'm familiar with the concept. Yeah. So this next part is all you, John. Yes. So I really enjoyed Nightwing's car, and I believe this was in Nightwing 45 and then uh, Birds of Prey 20. And it was an amalgamation of 70s muscle cars. So the headlights and grill were patterned after 70s Dodge Challenger, but they also had the 68 Firebird uh uh, headlight style, or both those cars had that same headlight style. 
And then the, uh, the dip nose in the middle of the grill is reminiscent of the 70s Pontiac design. Um, you saw that on Firebirds as well as some of their other cars. Uh, the split hood scoops on, on the hood uh, were made famous on 70s Pontiac GTOs. Uh, it had a pedestal rear spoiler, which is just two little bars holding it up, and then basically a horizontal bar for a, a spoiler. Uh, and you can see that on 70s Mustangs as well as the Plymouth Duster. Uh, the body lines were kind of reminiscent of a Plymouth Superbird, but it wasn't quite as long as that. But it had kind of the pointed nose, um, did not have the big giant wing in the back like the Superbird did. Um, and the rear taillights were reminiscent of a 70s Duster to me. They were kind of tilted in towards the car and were like just square uh, taillights. So it was pretty much a uh, an amalgamation, like you said, of, of 70s Muscles cars, which which is kind of fitting for Nightwing. Yeah, I really love that car. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry that got blown up. John was sad. <laughs> yes, I was sad. Sad Panda. Sad John. All right, so we get to move on to our uh, talking points here. Uh, I don't have these organized bad, good, and other. They're just kind of in an order of talking. It, as we said, it's a very short story, so we're trying to fill it. But uh, So it makes it easier for us just to talk as we go. So, uh, as I mentioned early on, it's an unfulfilled storyline. Um, and, and as we said, uh, moving beyond these issues, Canary is used by Roland, or Blockbuster, to bring up a map for Grimm to point out where Grod, Gorilla Grodd City is. Uh, so, one, one big question that both John and I had, we both had, was, uh, why didn't, if you have Mouse and Giz, which are supposed to be these two hackers, which are absolutely ridiculously dressed... Um, why didn't they, you know, use them? If they're good enough to track down Oracle, why aren't they good enough to get the data? I mean, really, all they needed to do was hack uh, G- uh, satellite imagery, which is all that Oracle did, and then relay it to uh, Black Canary, who was impersonating her, and then Grimm points at it and says, Grodd City is there. That's really, and then they go off and go on to that story with her kind of in tow. So there really wasn't a need for Oracle, um, in this story, we kind of got, or we got a one one liner from uh, Nightwing about how she was messing with Roland's uh, offshore bank accounts, which seemed more likely why he was hunting her. But then, when you get into the the story that follows this, apparently he was hunting her because he needed help finding Gorilla Grodd City. Because he needed a, a new heart valve. Yeah, he needs a new heart. He's this giant, oversized man, and so basically he's in, in poor health because of his size. Yes. So, yeah, the entire... And it's mentioned in this city that he's having heart problems. Uh, it's not, not extremely, you know, upfront, but it's mentioned a few times. He has to take pills, and he mentions his heart's not great. Well, if you follow the Nightwing story, that's common for Roland. Like, he, it, it's a well-known trait, so that's why they didn't really harp on it. Yep. Uh, now, a good point that we liked was Oracle was extremely uh, capable in, in her own right. She was mobile, almost to a point where it seemed like she had use for her legs, which I wasn't sure that she didn't, because she swims at one point at the end of the story. Yeah, I mean, if on a second and third read-through, you, you get that she doesn't have the use of her legs, but on the first read-through, when she was on the submarine and, like, taking out the, the lesser goons and everything, I was like, she got use of her legs? Did something happen that I wasn't aware of? And then you got to look really closely to see that she's actually not using her legs. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's good that she's capable and mobile. It just seems like it almost would be a bad part because it didn't. It was hard to get that she was not, you know, did not have the use of her legs. 
an uh, initial read through. I, I wouldn't go so far as a bad point. Uh, at least, certainly not a bad point to the character, but maybe a bad point to the writing. If, if and drawing and storyboarding. Yeah, just the, that it wasn't clear uh, that she was doing this without the use of her legs. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you make it more clear, but... But uh, one of the good things is she was able to set electronic and physical traps from the people trying to track her, especially in the sub. She had a gas trap that was non-lethal, but it made them puke and rash and all that fun stuff. Like the gas chamber, we know that. Yes, back in the Army. So real quick on that, in the in Army basic training, you have to go through what's called the gas chamber. What it is, you have your gas mask on. Uh, you go into this chamber where they're pumping tear gas in, basically. And uh, you have to take off your mask in there, open your eyes, and take deep breaths in. So you come out of the gas chamber uh, snotting and coughing and hacking and your eyes are watering. For like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's like 15 minutes. And if you had – I'll tell you what. If you had any sort of sinus problems, all you do is you walk through that. Your sinuses are clear. (laughs) I did not. I was just miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those days. Um and uh, she pretty much rescues herself and only needs some help after she's defeated the people chasing her. So the only time she really needed help is when she's swimming uh, up from the sinking sub to the surface. Uh, Black Canary, Dinah, pulls her out of the water. And then, of course, she needed medical attention because she got shot in the leg. But, yes. I mean, every hero is going to need that whether they're capable or not. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, she came off as a very able, capable, self-sufficient individual, which is really rad to see. Yeah, and that, this is something we talked about a little bit on the last uh, episode, uh, the last volume of No Man's Land, where we said that despite the killing joke happening and her having to live with being paralyzed, she has turned herself into a very uh, one of the best heroes out there. I mean, Oracle is is amazingly well done, I feel, at least everything I've read with her in it. Yeah, she she doesn't let it get her down. She doesn't harp on it it's not like you know like batman's big motivation is his parents superman's big motivation is krypton having exploded you know they have these tragic backgrounds she seems like the character who should be the most depressed and have you know the most brooding over what happened to her but she's not she turns herself turns it around and makes herself extremely capable and extremely self-confident and very competent and able and that's just awesome to see a DC character that's not all dark and broody over their past. Well, I think we're in the era where DC wasn't making all almost all the stories dark and dark and brooding like we see now, where a lot of the stories are that. So, yes. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the era uh, more so than... An era of error? I, I'm not <laughs> going to say that because I like some of the New 52. So. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Um, the next big thing... Uh, so the, the, the key conceit of this story is that it's the first time Oracle meet, meets Black Canary. And I found it rather underwhelming. Of course, I didn't know what what we were supposed to get out of this going into it. So to me, it didn't, it didn't really hit home how important this is that Black Canary is meeting Oracle for the first time. And I did read uh, the the one shot that led into the birds of prey series and also the first issue where it is kind of outlined in those two stories, how Oracle is kind of the, uh, Charlie from Charlie's angels, like the voice and giving out the assignments and helping from afar. But, but the operatives never get to meet her, which actually at this point, the only operative is Dinah. I thought there was more operatives start from the start with birds of prey, but I guess they came on later. 
uh, more female superheroes joining the, uh, the the group. So it is basic. It is basically Oracle from the shadows telling Dinah and arranging things for Dinah to go do the legwork. Um, so knowing that, it, it gives a little more weight to the meeting, um, kind of showing that Oracle has got herself into such a bind that she needs to have Dinah come rescue her. So she has to meet her. Um, and basically, so, it's all akin to Batman pulling off his mask. No, uh, that was for trust. I mean, no, no, I don't mean like in reference to No Man's Land. I mean Batman revealing his identity to someone. It's it's like that. It's it's a move that he's so desperate that he make that he knows the vulnerability that'll lead up to it, or you know, will come from it. I guess it'd, it'd be like bringing someone to the Batcave, and yeah, uh, yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah, bringing someone to the Batcave is a better metaphor. Well, I mean that—that's usually when we see that from Batman when he when someone learns is more about him than they know is when he brings them to the Batcave. Precisely. Um, so then our next one is. Uh, well, there's one more oh, yes, point to yes. this. How, how does this change the dynamic going forward for Dinah and Oracle? I I don't really see it changing all that much. I mean, I think it's going to open up some uh, more trust in the characters, and of course, this is all speculation. Uh, the characters would be better bonded, better able to bond. Uh, there'd be a more personal bond. Obviously, they have a better relationship, or a really good relationship, as Oracle and Black Canary. But now, Barbara and Dinah opening up that you know that part of their lives to each other. That you know, doing away with that barrier basically that was between them of not knowing who the other one was, or rather, at least Dinah not knowing who Barbara was. You know, on that level. It's definitely going to make them uh, closer, it seems like. It'd be a really good thing for both the characters to grow. I mean, it really depends on the writers, I'm sure, as far uh, yeah. as, as what they want to do with it. But honestly, I I don't see it changing the dynamic all that much because it's not like they're going to go out as a duo. I mean, Oracle really is at her best when she's in a control room orchestrating from behind the curtain. Yeah, she's behind the curtain in the shadows acting as the, the brain. Of the operation, yeah, the the uh, air traffic controller, so to speak. Good, good analogy. I like that. It's a really good analogy. Um, so yeah, I, it very well could. I, I I'll put it this way: I don't see the dynamic changing for the worse if it changes at all. I would agree with that. I don't think it's going to make things worse. I don't know how much better it's going to make things because they seem to be getting along really well uh, as they were. Yes, they have a really good working relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it, it'd be interesting to see how that changes going forward and all that. But like I said, I really couldn't see it changing for the worse. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll run across more uh, Birds of Prey stories in, in the list of stories we have to cover. So we can uh, come back to this during those uh, episodes and see how we feel like the dynamic has changed over the years. Yes. All right, so the next one that we're going to talk about is uh, Nightwing as his own hero. So this one's going to be a little more discussion on this, I think. Yeah, this will probably be the lengthiest one of, of the bunch for this episode, which is still going to be a fairly short episode. Um, so the first one we want to talk about is uh, the Rose Gallery, and this is something that John and I talked about at length. I mean, you have some examples here of Lady Vic, which is the British female hero, uh, Brutal, which is the... Uh, villain. Or villain. Excuse me, did I say hero? You said hero. I said hero. Uh, all right, so, yeah, sorry. Brutal, which is the uh, knife-wielding, uh, Hispanic, shorter-statured uh, villain. Uh, Grimm, or, uh, which is the ape. Yeah, who, pretty much a clone of Gorilla Grodd, as yeah, far as I can tell. Except without the psychic power. 
I didn't know Grodd had psychic power. Yeah, yeah, Grodd. He's technologically advanced. I think he has psychic power. Uh, Blockbuster, who is a, a different villain altogether. Uh, Roland Desmond is his name. I yeah, got it backwards it, well, in there. He is, uh, and his brother was Blockbuster before him. Uh, so that's another rehashed villain. Uh, Mouse and Gibbs, which are the hacker duo. And Stallion. He was the the guy leading the uh, capture teams before oh, yeah, they yeah. found the uh, the sub. So the the problem you have is it's really difficult. You have a young new character. Well, not really new, but relatively new. Still early on. I mean, we're up to on his solo series. I believe this is volume two. We're only up to issue forty five and forty six. So yes. He hasn't had a lot of solo stories outside of the Titans and with uh, Batman as Robin. So it's really hard for him to come up with his own rogues gallery. I mean, they did a good job giving him his own city. Bloodhaven is, um, I don't know if it's north or south. I think it's it's south. It's Gotham adjacent. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty close to Gotham. Um, And so he's got his own city, so he's got his own own villains to deal with. So I I do like that aspect. Um, The difficulty I see of creating him a rogues gallery is what do you create for him? Do you create... Do you, A, use uh, lesser Batman villains and kind of, like, like Deathstroke has been a villain for several people, like Teen Titans, Nightwing, Batman, somewhat Batman. Flash a little bit, I think, and Green Arrow. Yeah, well, in the TV show, for sure, Green oh, Arrow. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about the comics for Green Arrow, but um, do you do you use something like that, or or do you create clone uh, clones of Batman's villains? So do you have a uh, Preface clone? Do you have a... Doll guy, Scarface. Yeah, do you create a Scarface clone? <laughs> yeah, Scarface clone. Do you create uh, a poison, poison ivy, ivy clone? Like, what? What do you? Also, let's let's take this down point by point here. Do you use lesser Batman villains? The problem if you use lesser Batman villains is then he's just going to be referred to as Batman Light. Well, he kind of already is referred to as Batman, and that's Light. a problem. He he's very much. If he's just Batman Light, then he's not his own character. If you create new villains for him, if you just like wholesale new villains, you have a hard time getting those to be followed because you never know in the ever-changing environment of the comics, which we saw here. Here's a great example. Uh, This is in, what, 99, right? Uh, 2000. Yeah, so this was in 2000. Then New 52 came along. So New 52 was, what, 2009, 2010? Uh, 2011 is when it started. So you had 11 years, which is a good amount of time, but when you're dealing with characters like Batman, Superman, Green Arrow, Flash, who have been in publication for over 40 years, Batman 75 same five years for Batman. And Superman. And Superman. So even the newer characters, newer, quote-unquote newer, like the Flash, Green Arrow, blah, 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 have had decades and decades. Here you really only have about a decade, uh, and then you have the New 52 happened. Well, I mean, we've got three decades, really, because remember Nightwing shows up in, what, 84? Yeah, but he was Almost still with three. the Titans. Yeah, he was with the Titans, but still, you, you can... You can borrow Titans villains. I mean, that's True. another thing that you could do is is uh, take some of the Titan villains and uh, kind of anchor them to Bloodhaven. Um, but I, th- I think there's probably a mix. I mean, I, I haven't read a ton of Nightwing stories to corroborate this, but there's probably a mix of using some Titans villains, using some Batman villains. I mean, he crosses over into Batman stories all the time. We saw it in No yes. Man's Land. So I think there's a good mix of, of uh, known villains as well as... They did, I mean, we listed a bunch that they made just for Nightwing. So they did make him his own rogues gallery. Now, as far as how popular these villains get, I don't think they'll ever reach the popularity of Batman. I just, I just don't think so. Yeah. 
But then you have the problem of are people going to be willing to invest in these in this rogues gallery? I think the investment is going to be do you like the character of Dick Grayson? Because he is a really good character. And yes. if you like the character of Dick Grayson, then hopefully the reuse of these these uh, villains will make them in uh, good foils for Dick and people that you actually care about in some form or fashion. Yeah, you'd have to hope so, that people who are willing to invest in Nightwing as a solo character, even when you know you do have Batman characters showing up like we had uh, Robin and Alfred show up on this one, as a, as a mostly standalone character, if they're willing to invest in Nightwing, then they'd be willing to invest in a new rogues gallery or villains that kind of, you know, they have to fabricate whole cloth from nothing here. And, and hopefully, you have to hope that they make good villains. Now, doing a little reading up, uh, Blockbuster is the younger, no, the older brother, I want to say, of the previous Blockbuster. And that leads us into the whole idea of clone characters. Now, we, you know, a great example of this being Blockbuster, but the best example I can come up with is Clayface. There's, before the New 52, I looked it up, there had been nine Clayfaces. Clayface, Lady Clayface, uh, Clayface 1 through, you know, 8 or whatever it was. But the problem then is you, you have a really hard time investing in a character that there's a new version of or that there's like 7 or 8 of them running around somewhere. And and mind you, Clayface is an example of the extreme. Yes, I mean, we've seen this in uh, in comics several times where someone, the first one dies or gets incarcerated and someone else takes up the mantle um, it, it all depends on how the story is written, honestly. I mean, nine is a little extreme, um, especially it, if you want to bring them all together, which I'm assuming all nine were never brought together, but you could have a team, team Clayface. There was actually, there was uh, the Mud Pack. I don't think it was all nine of them, but there were quite a few of them that teamed up. Yeah, so you could get some stories like that that might be interesting or might be just really ridiculous. I mean, it all depends on how they're treated. Like, I don't have a problem with uh, uh, legacy villains, is I guess the best way to I would say. Um, but you, within reason, like, much like anything... If you overuse it, it's gonna lose its its punch. Yes. So I think I think we need a combination of. Um, I mean, D- Dick has a history with Two Face from his time as Robin, so that's yes. a good villain for him to borrow a villain. Um, he has a history with Deathstroke from Teen Titans, so that's a good villain to borrow from. And then you build some new ones, you know, and then maybe you have some legacy Batman villains. So maybe Batman takes care of one of his lesser villains, and a new one pops up to deal with Nightwing rather than Batman. I mean, that's, that's an yeah. option. Or even, even like you said, Lester, like the Riddler. Riddler could very easily go from uh, Gotham to Bloodhaven and, you know, start trying to set up shop there. Or the Penguin set, tries to set up a... Uh, well, those are kind of big Batman villains. Well, yeah, even, well, like, even, those are even, like, B-listers. Yeah, they're not at the tip-top. Yeah, but, yeah. But they're also not, you know, the Clock King. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the other problem, is if you use the lesser villains, they're lesser villains for a reason. They're not, they're... Uh, sometimes, I mean, we we've had this the discussion about um, uh, the die with the doll. Why can I not Scarface? Scarface, and what how, a horrible villain. Well, so you don't particularly like him. I do particularly like him. So I mean, it it really is a matter of of taste for some of the villains. True, true. So I don't think that just because he's a lesser villain, not used as often, that he's necessarily less interesting. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, moving on, uh, we have a sidekick in Nightwing, N-I-T-E space wing, which is Tad. 
Tad Reistad or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Reistad or something like that. So Reistad, which I'm not or Tad, because I'm not going to call him Nightwing as well. Which he, if you read up on him, he has the stupidest name origin. It involves like a chicken wing place, is where he got his name. I'm not even joking. It's the worst. But he killed a guy. Now, reading up on him a little bit, like I said, I did. Uh, he's always been kind of a, a self-proclaimed hero who's really not a good guy. He's killed innocent bystanders. He's, you know, obviously he killed Cisco Blaine here. Now, given he killed Cisco Blaine, not knowing he was an FBI agent, but you know, Nightwing said, "Listen, your your days, you won't do any jail time because you didn't. You obviously didn't know that he was a FBI agent or whatever." But your days of vigilanteism are over. So and, then, and Nightwing or Tad responds by saying, "Well, if I'd known he was a good guy, I wouldn't have killed him." And Nightwing's response is, "Well, you're not supposed to be killing anyone." Yeah. So I mean, you, you have uh, heroes like the Punisher in the Marvel universe. There's, I'm sure there's more than a few in the DC universe who do use uh, lethal means. But uh, you know that you have a, a character who's really not likable in any sense if you know him. He's really just not a likable character. He's a murderer. He's a self-proclaimed vigilante who's just you know goes hog wild. He's not a good character. I, I, he was not enjoyable at all. He didn't really serve as a good counterpoint to Nightwing. He wasn't really a threat to Nightwing as a you know to be a villain. I mean, honestly, we didn't get much of him in this story, so I I don't know how the rest of the usage of him is. He reminded me a lot of Casey Jones just in appearance. And yeah. Yeah. And attitude, uh, maybe not necessarily behavior, because I don't think Casey Jones kills people, but, I mean, he does kind of beat people up. Yeah, he, he he seemed more like a petulant child to me. Well, Casey Jones could be described that way. Yeah, he could be. <laughs> I mean, to borrow from Ninja Turtles, but, yes. I mean, that's kind of the closest analogy that I thought of with this character. Understandable, yeah. But, yeah, so I think that uh, that concludes our talking points. Uh, so what, what comments? What did you think of the story how would you rate it well it is a middle story i mean you you come into it with nightwing and tad both uh under uh Des- roland desmond's uh capture so it's not exactly but i mean we don't really know if the previous stories because i didn't read those uh led directly into this or if it just started this way because we've had stories where you just start with the hero incarcerated and then you find out more later well we didn't really find out more later but for the purposes of this story them escaping was enough yeah Um, but the the biggest problem i have with it is it's not the end of the story and then what followed didn't really seem to stick to what this story was was leading towards very well in my opinion um i mean it really didn't seem like oracle should have been hunted for the reason she was hunted it seems like Mouse and, and Giz could have provided those services for, for Roland, uh, and that would have been sufficient for what he needed them to do. Um, and we didn't really get the payoff with Roland being upset that she was messing with his finances, which seemed to be something that would be a legitimate reason for him to be after her. And so I was kind of hoping that would be followed up on in the next story, and at least in the first issue of the next story, and from what I could gather from reading the summary of the story, it isn't, it isn't really touched on. Um, also, it's kind of implied that he's hunting her to kill her, and yet he just captures her and use, like basically blackmails her, uses her for his own good. So I would say this is a middling story at best. I mean, it's not awful, um, but it's also not great. And it's very short, so... 
that actually works towards its benefit, I think. Yeah, it's not dragged out because there's not a lot of meat there. I, I would agree. So, um, it, you know, what you said, basically, I hate to just be ditto, but it, it's very much a middling story. It really doesn't have any meat. It doesn't really have any substance. It goes nowhere. It could. It doesn't make sense for the action that's taking place. It's conflict, conflict without reason is what it seems like to me, very much. Uh there's no reason for them to be hunting Oracle. There's no reason for what's going down to be going down. It's it's you know it's not like it's the Joker who's just doing violence for violence' sake. It's supposed to be a you know a super intelligent villain here. Well, I mean, we're given a purpose. It just doesn't really pay off. It's it's not followed up on. Exactly. Con- that's what I mean by conflict without reason. You have all this conflict that leads nowhere. And it doesn't really serve any purpose story-wise. It doesn't pay out, like you said. I mean, we should we should speak to the the key point of this, I guess, at this point is the meeting of Oracle and Black Canary. Um, I was underwhelmed, as I said, but I think that had to do with not following the story on the regular. Like, if I had been just reading the first nineteen issues of Birds of Prey, then maybe that would have meant a little bit more. Um, but it, I don't think it was handled great. I mean, it was kind of. Like, after reading, I was like, what were we supposed to get out of this? Yeah, it, it agreed 100%. So I think I'm going to have to give it two out of five batterings. Yeah, I also would agree with that rating and give it two out of five batterings. So together, we give it two out of five batterings. And now we will leave you with the cre- the credits. All right, uh, this ran from July to September 2000. Uh, Nightwing 45 and 46 were written by Chuck Dixon, artist Greg Land, editors Joseph Illidge, who's the associate editor, and Bob Shrek. Uh, Birds of Prey 20 and 21 were written by Chuck Dixon. Artist Butch Gucci. Editor Frank Berrios was the assistant, and Joseph Illich was the main editor. Um, if you would like to leave comments about this episode or anything relating to Batman, uh, you can leave comments on the page on the batmanuniverse.net, the uh, page for this podcast. And then we will incorporate those comments into uh, the next episode. Thank you guys for listening.